0: You know how
1: there's been food competition shows for forever. I mean, you know, Food Network, yeah, has, was, has been known for a number of them, and I, I, I love them. Always love them. You know, Chopped, Cutthroat Kitchen, loved Last Food Network or Next Food Network Star. Big fan of that. Um, and even if you think of like. Hell's Kitchen, which we've been watching the the current season. I never watched before. We've been following the current season, and I'm hooked. All right, uh, you know, stuff like that. You, know, the mostly the the big kind of high budget, high production value. Uh, drama reality TV style cooking competitions, uh, but there are I, I, I've been finding uh, I, I guess thanks to thanks to my own personal Tom the algorithm, uh, been finding more and more kind of like indie cooking battle shows. Okay. Uh, And there's something really fascinating about there being lower budget, kind of grittier, like almost like sometimes it almost feels like they're like fully guerrilla, like they set up shop someplace where they shouldn't have and did the thing and they got the (laughs) fuck out. Um, and we recently stumbled across a couple with kind of a very similar vibes, um, there was one called Midnight Feast that is uh, set in New York City, specifically set in uh, the Chelsea Market. Uh, okay, they go in after hours and they have, they start it with three chefs and they go and like shop the market and come back. They do the first round and whoever uh, doesn't uh, doesn't make the cut the first round has to pony up the money for what they, you know, the grocery spend. They basically, they have a five five hundred dollar max buy in, and okay. you get eliminated. You pay for you know your first round of groceries. Then the uh, the two chefs remaining go back. They can spend up to the remaining you know up to five hundred dollars of their original buy-in. And again, whoever loses has to now pay for both rounds of their groceries. But whoever wins gets ten x what they spent. So they're incentivizing. Go spend some money in the Chelsea you market. spend a lot of money. Uh, yeah. But I like it because, you know, it, it is very clearly a lower production value show. Not like, not in that it's a lower quality, but it's very clearly just kind of like a, we just got, we got a few cameras. We got uh, like, we got a host a couple of judges. We're going to just, we're just going to fucking make this show at night when everyone's gone. Uh, and, you know, really kind of interesting. We watched the entirety of that. Uh, but then we found another one. What was the
0: name of that show again?
1: Midnight Feast.
0: Midnight Feast. Okay.
1: That um that I think is on yeah that one's on Hulu and the reason I remember that is because for some reason right now uh my Hulu app is glitching and every time I open the app it just tries to autoplay that show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. But we also stumbled across um might also be on on Hulu but honestly I cannot remember off the top of my head where it's streaming. Oh, watch on Hulu. IMDb is, is telling me "Late Night Chef Fight," and the thing I love about okay. this show is that apparently this is just a thing that's been going on. Uh, you know, we're we're going from New York City now all the way out to Las Vegas. Uh, there's this event that's just apparently been going on for years there, where they get local chefs together and uh, they have them do kind of a. Uh, a first like kind of qualifying round, whoever wins this like mini challenge, like it might be like you have five minutes to make a mayonnaise or like, you know, make us your best guacamole in three minutes or whatever, like, you know, a quick challenge. Whoever wins that gets to pick from one of two food trucks that have been parked on the lot that isn't one of theirs. It is, it is someone else's food truck. It is, you know, just a known truck from around. But the catch is you don't like, there's not a shopping round. You don't get to pick your ingredients. You like, when You just, you pick a truck and you go in and like, whatever ingredients are there, you can use and whatever equipment happens to be working. So like you might walk in and the flat top is, is broken. Like the only thing you've got is a deep fryer. Like you might have like uh, a, a drawer full of tomatoes, but like no oil or anything like that to cook it. Like, it's just, you know, anything goes. And it's just like a test of like, what's your creativity? Uh, and that one, so as much as like the the Midnight Feast one is very kind of very New York City style, very like foodies trying to outdo each other and like it's very like professional, I'll put it in quotes. The sure. Late Night Chef fight one is like flashy and like one of the judges is just like uh, this like massive like shade bald head tattoos everywhere dude that's just like, look at these mystery ingredients, y'all
0: just very very exactly what you think like celebrity chefs are nowadays it's like
1: it's like completely different vibe being set in vegas it's like this late night party atmosphere versus the midnight feast being set in new york it's like it's almost like don't tell anyone we're here sort of thing and like i just it's it's really fascinating to see these more kind of we'll call them underground cooking competition shows popping up um there was a, a few that I, walked, I watched a while back. There was um, the the show Bong Appetit, which I know that like, <laughs> you aren't into weed humor, but that's hilarious right. to me. It started okay. out as like this guy would invite a chef over to his house and uh, like kind of give them like a, a theme meal, and like they would cook like this whole like multi course feast for him and his guests, like he would throw a dinner party and all the guests would show up and the chef would cook with this massive pantry full of cannabis and cannabis products. Uh, and they were encouraged to use as much variety as they could, whether it be like fresh flour or the terpenes or oil or make butter or like use their own, like sometimes they'd bring their own edibles or whatever, like really, really fast. And like they'd make a cocktail round an appetizer and it would just be like a dinner party, but it'd be like educating. Well, they got to season three of that and it turned from dinner party into competition show. And okay. <laughs> it was that same format. You know, you start with the three, three contestants and they have a theme ingredient and go, but you're cooking with weed. Uh, yeah. I just, I just, I love this idea of just kind of like, well, maybe I'll start a cooking competition show. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, I I don't would, know. what would my twist be? What would your twist be?
0: mine so as somebody who is not into food at all um mine would be like i would go to like poor people's house and like just throw them in the kitchen and be like you've got to make a three course meal out of like whatever they have like mm-hmm. lying around and i think it would be really interesting one because somebody who, who you know, is doesn't have the means to make really good food would get a chance to be like, oh, shit. Like, there's so many different things I could do with with what little I have. Uh, but also, you know, it would also educate others. Um, but also, I just think it would be really interesting for people to go in and be like, you have six boxes of mac and cheese, and that's it. I, do you eat other food? <laughs> like You know, because, like, if they went into, like, my cupboards, they would see, like, mac and cheese and ramen noodles and be like my dude, this is way too much carbohydrates and sodium. But what are you doing <laughs> with your life? You know, like, and like, you also have a half eaten box of Lucky Charms. Like, what are you surviving? <laughs> you know, like, how are you, what are you
1: doing? That's a great point though. And like, uh, like kind of like elevated pantry clean out. Uh, yeah. that's, that's yeah. A, honestly, that's a big part of uh, my cooking style. Uh, and I, I think like, listen, I have no illusions that I would win a cooking competition at all. But like I watch a, a Chopped where they have a sure. the mystery basket of ingredients. Like you have to incorporate these ingredients and make a meal out of it. Uh, that's a lot of times how I approach cooking. I'm like literally – what the fuck do I have in my mystery basket? By which I mean my pantry and uh, refrigerator. What can I make out of these? And like, I love that notion of just like testing your creativity and like, yeah, like, I I mean, I could just make spaghetti and, and jarred sauce or like, Okay, I've got a, I've got some, some sweet potato. I have like, I apparently have one sprig of fresh uh, sage left. I'm, okay, I'll use that. And uh, I'm like, oh, I, I've got some cantaloupe. Maybe I can make a. I'm like, what can I make out of this? And yeah, like extending that notion to like teaching people how to elevate their their pantries. Uh, that, that, I like that. That's a good idea.
0: It'd be interesting, right? Yeah. Copyright, copyright, copyright. <laughs> Brand- <laughs> Call me. I'll, I'll produce that show. I'll produce the hell out of it. Actually, no. <laughs> I'll just have her do it, because I can't. <laughs> I'll do, do it. I, you yeah, know I, you've got the idea. You go off and do that, because I'm going to be like, I don't know. Like, I know nothing about food. I have zero interest in it. I would not be good at it.
1: There's a part of me that really badly wants to judge a cooking competition show, yeah. um, partly because I love to eat uh, and partly because I have taught myself over several years of watching the shows how to think about and describe food more than just, hmm, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. And like I, that's a, a, a skill that I try to practice and I think it would be fun to put it to, to – in fact, we did a, um, several jobs ago. We had a, a – a, um, um, was it a salsa cook-off or a guacamole cook? And we had a competition to make other salsa or guac uh, or maybe both. Um, and myself and one of the other uh, people that I work with ended up being the judges and like we ended up sitting and like tasting them and I think and, like, I
0: remember this
1: comparing specific notes of, like oh you know I really like how this one like brings out the acidity and like you've got some some really great heat coming from your chilies here but like you were kind of lacking on and you know, it's like talking about like, like a like a food critic might uh, and that was really fun and I want to do more of that uh, I, but also I'm, af- I'm afraid to be a cooking competition judge because there's a lot of stuff that, like, I'm, I'm a very open-minded eater, but there's a lot of stuff that I know definitively I don't like that comes up a lot in these shows. Uh, mushrooms being a big one. And, yeah. I mean, fuck mushrooms and, like, how can, like, how can people see things like uh, Girl With All
0: the Gifts and The Last of Us and still think, you know what I want in me? Fungus. Fungus, that's right. Yeah, so my other, uh, I'm with you on the mushroom, mushrooms (laughs) and onions, and that's in a lot of foods. And I just, I don't like either of those. Um, So my other one is you take the top chefs of in the world right now, Mm -hmm. you get three of them and you put them in high-end kitchens like all like we're talking high-end ingredients like you know like you. food culture ingredients but the judges are 8-year-olds <laughs> that's that's where you put them in so they have to try to win 8-year-olds but they've got like fucking truffle butter and shit like that and they're like well, how do i but i got to make it so an 8-year-old would love it oh my god that's that's the that's the cooking show you know like you see a Gordon Ramsay being like uh <laughs> You know, or an, I guess somebody a little more high, higher up, I guess. But That's yeah. an
1: absolutely brilliant idea, though. <laughs> uh, especially because we've seen kind of the, the opposite side of that, where we've seen like coping competitions featuring young kids as the, the cooks. As the, sh- as the cooks. Being judged by adults. And I, I think that that's really interesting because you see people who would normally be like just ripping into a, like a professional chef for like a mistake that they made, being very gentle and you know, like parental and like like an educator to children making the same mistakes. And I really love that approach and sometimes wish that like we would see more of that in the shows with the adults. Like I love when the judges are like, I see what you're going for. Here's what I would have done. Here's where maybe you missed the mark. And they're kind about it. Uh, you know, think like, you know, the British baking show versus, right. um, you know, Hell's Kitchen being, <laughs> being a great example. And even like Ramsey, like Ramsey, like didn't we, I think we talked about this last we week. is playing a last character.
0: Week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just, totally. I don't know yeah.
1: which character he's playing, but he's
0: playing a character. <laughs> I just, I just, uh, I just think the kid part would be interesting because kids are picky mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in really weird ways. You know, like my daughter would would like not eat foods because it felt weird in her mouth. Oh yeah. You know, like she would be like, I don't like the look of it. I'm not going to eat it. Or like, you know, she wouldn't eat um, ground beef because she didn't like the texture of ground beef. You know, like she even now, like she won't eat noodles unless they're kind of crunchy. Like she doesn't oh. like like regularly cooked. Like she likes it more al dente. al dente. She doesn't yeah. like like, like cooked noodles, she likes them a little crunchy. So I have to like undercook spaghetti and stuff like that because she doesn't like it when it's just full on noodles. So, but like, that's such a kid thing, right? Like that is a very, you know, I mean, I know adults have this as well because it's al dente is a style. Yeah. Um, but like, that's, that's like her mentality about like all things, including like ramen noodles and stuff like that, you know? So like having a judge, you know, being like, yeah, but this is how you make it. Yeah. And the kid being like, "Well, I don't like it," and just be like, <laughs> you know, just seeing them be like, "But th- I, that's, but I, that's how I don't, that's how you do it, though." And the kid being like, "Great, I don't like it. <laughs> I think that would be really interesting. I think kids need to be in charge of more things like that because I think it would shift a lot of the mindset."
1: Oh my god, you get them serving like a perfectly like medium rare rack of lamb. And the kids like, it's not cooked. It's a cook. like, you know what? Can
0: I have ketchup? You're, You're <laughs> fucking right. I have like an eight year old being like, can I have ketchup with this like prime cut rib? They'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> you just see their minds be like, I guess so. The
1: smart chefs would be like preparing, like, Thoughtful, but like still kid-friendly condiments to go along with their meals, Totally like anticipating like that. Like, I'm going to serve it as is, but like, if you choose on the side we have. And Ketchup like, and A1 uh, and
0: like, yeah. Man, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. And that's how it should be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So so speaking of kids being in charge of things, uh, there's a brand new series on Netflix, which is uh, more than likely to be canceled um, (laughs) because that's how things happen nowadays. You're not wrong. Um, But so there's a brand new show on Netflix called Lockwood and Co. Oh. And it's actually... So I watched the whole series, and at first I thought this was a young adult kids show. Like, I thought this would be geared more towards kids, and then, like, in episode three, they dropped the F-bomb, and I was like, oh, I don't even know who this show is for anymore. (laughs) Um, It was very interesting. So it's basically... Uh, an event happens, they call it the the problem, I think is what they refer to it as. So the problem happens where all of a sudden, ghosts are now all over the place. Oh. Uh, ghosts are, are haunting the whole world, but the only people that can sense and see them are children, basically anyone under like the age of 18-ish. Um, So certain people, so certain kids get the sense. Uh, And there's like three different versions of it. There's one where you can see them. There's another one where they're called listeners, where you can like hear and interact with them and talk to them and feel their feelings. And then there's one other, and I forget what it is because they don't really it's it's not really um broad it's not really like a main point but there's another one but there's different levels of each so there's listeners that are like hey i can just generally listen and then there's ones that are like I can sit down and have a conversation with this ghost. So that's like the tier three ones. Um, so it basically centers around this group, um, you know, three teens, uh, you know, two boys and a girl, and they're off fighting ghosts, but there's like, oh, there's like agencies, you know, it's been like government agency to death It's set in England. Um, and, you know, so they're like, they're kind of off on their own. They're their own little like agency, but they still have government oversight. Um, but, you know, normally there's supposed to be an adult that like monitors them. but this this agency doesn't have an adult that monitors them and they're all i would say 17 18 i think they have to be at least 18 um, because they are drinking Mm. um but because in england it's 17 i think to drink so they got to be at least 17 um uh, but it's very interesting the show was really good It, it had a really good flow i thought it was very interesting it didn't it wasn't cheesy like i expected it to be young adult and like kid friendly but it's not really but it's you still could have a child, like you still could have like a 12-year-old watch this and be like, yes, fuck yes, this is a great show. Like a 12-year-old could still enjoy this. But me as a 41-year-old, who's really more like an 18-year-old uh, girl, I... <laughs> uh, also really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really interesting. I love the idea that it's, the kids are the only ones that can see the ghosts. I love the idea they have to haunt them. There's a lot of like, you know, um, you know, supernatural type things like, oh, they're, you know, ghosts are afraid of iron. You have to cover them in steel. Like there's the, the sort of like mythos about it. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. And it leaves you with a good build, like world building thing of like, ooh, there's conspiracy behind this. And maybe the adults aren't exactly telling the truth about like how the problem occurred or how long it's been going on. Type thing. Really, really cool. I, I really, really enjoy the show. Definitely recommend watching it. Hopefully, there's a season two. It was the number two most watched Netflix show. Oh, so it's for definitely like going to be first- canceled. Right. So it was the number two most watched show. It never broke into number one. It lived in number two for like the first week. And I think now it's down to number five. It's only been out for about a week and a half uh, or so. At this point, it's been out like two or three weeks. Um, so it, it was in number two, dropped down to number five. So it's kind of up in the air of whether it'll get uh, renewed or not. Mm-hmm. I really hope it does, though. I, I really enjoyed this show.
1: I love the perspective that you offer when it comes to like whether or not something is uh, good for kids because you would think that there would be like a base level sense of just what what generally is and is not age appropriate. Um, but that's not really true. So I have no fucking clue, uh, what would be like, a, like consider quote unquote appropriate for kids. What would be too young? What would be too old? Like what age groups would like, well, I just, I have no concept of that whatsoever. And I don't know that I ever really have, uh, including for myself. I mean, I've, I've told you enough times, like, you know, I was reading Crichton in middle school and, you know, got it got one of his books taken away from me but then again like as a like you know late 20 something adult i was still reading a lot of like young adult actually like even in my 40s i was still every now and then pick up like a young adult you know fantasy novel or like watch you know, love cartoons i have no concept of of what uh, age groups uh things are, are set for so i would love hearing your perspective on that <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, for the most part, uh, you know, at the age that my daughter is, she's about to be eleven. You know, at the ages she's in, eh, violence for the most part, you know, aside from like torture, you know, it depends on what it is. You know, like eh, she she's into the she's into scary movies now, right? Okay. So like she's wanting to be scared. So the violence isn't so much of a big deal. Um, it, the sexualness is is what gets me. It's like it's sure. one thing to talk to them to say like, you know, if like a characters are saying like. I love you, we're into you, maybe we'll sleep together, like saying, you know, like referring to sex, Mm -hmm. but like if they get in detail about it or graphic about it, that's where I'm like, nope, we're done. Like this is not a show. You know, anything that's like overly sexual, uh, that's where like I kind of draw the line. But the violence part of it, you know, she's she. I think this is very much dependent on child. Yeah. Um, she understands. I mean, having been in a horror movie herself, uh, she understands the idea that it's faked. You know, mm-hmm. like she saw, you know, she saw like how we made the the fake bodies for for the night house. You know, and stuff like that. So like she saw how this how it looks. Like she understands. That it's all, you know, it's make-believe and, you know, her dad makes movies. She understands how it works. So I think, like, in her mind, she can separate the idea of the violence from something actually happening. So I think it's a little different for her. You know, judge that, obviously, if you are you know your own child. Like, what are they going to be okay with and what are they not going to be okay with? Um, So I think judge it for that. But to me, it's it's anything, like, overtly sexual, you know, or, like, objectifying. That's, I'm like, nope. Like, we'll hold on to that until you're like... 18 16 you know like <laughs> when you're a little you can understand it a little more you know but right now no you're you're too young for that kind of stuff right on. um so that's that's kind of where where i feel about that but lockwood and co great no no sexual stuff at all um not even really a lot of romance but there's like the overhead, like, are will they, won't they? But it's never like a driving point of the, um, you know, it's never, it's not like annoying about it. Sure. Um, and the scary parts, not really that scary. Uh, but there was some cool, like, ooh, I could see where this would be scary moments. So yes, a little, very, very cool. Um, uh, like that. Uh, but another new show just dropped on Apple TV, which uh, I think you will really like this show. Um, It's a show called Shrinking. Oh yes, I've been seeing ads for this a lot. So it stars Jason Mm Segel, Harrison Ford, and, uh, Jessica Williams, um, who I love Jessica Williams. There was, there was brief talk where Jessica Williams, uh, might've been the new doctor, oh. uh, back when they were, uh, announcing Jodie Whittaker. She was somebody that people were talking about and it was going to be a big deal because she's American. Um, but she, uh, was in a really, really great show called the, uh, movie called the incredible Jessica James. Um, highly recommend it fantastic she was also in fantastic beasts um yep. she's in uh two dope queens um uh, you know she she's in a lot of great stuff she's she's not the main character uh she's one of the the main characters but she's not the main character it really uh follows jason siegel who people uh i would say most likely know from how i met your mother or forgetting sarah marshall mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so he is one of the writers for this show uh but the the showrunner for this is bill lawrence uh Uh, who was the showrunner for Ted Lasso, uh, which, you know, everybody loves, but also Scrubs, which was one of my favorite shows in the world. Uh, He was the showrunner of that. So as of recording this episode, three episodes of Shrinking were out. I think this is a great, great show. It has that sort of like hit-you-in-the-motions uh, moments that, like, Scrubs and Ted Lasso is, is known for. Um, and it has the comedy moments that I think Ted Lasso and Scrubs is known for. But I think it's a little more... Uh, it's a little more on the drama side, I mm. guess. A little more on the emotion side, not really drama, but a little more on the emotion side than it is on the comedy side. But the comedy moments hit really well. Harrison Ford's character—he plays the—he plays the head of a um, of a therapy uh, practice, um, and of, of which uh, Gabby played by jessica williams and jimmy played by jason siegel work for him they are all therapists in this in this uh practice um and harrison ford's in it he's great he plays a character who uh is in the early stages stages of parkinson's um so like there's that like looming thing but his character is very harrison ford you know where he's very like no bullshit like call you into his office and like yell at you type thing uh it is very harrison ford but it's just a great show. And they're short. The episodes are only like 30, you know, like 30, 37 minutes long. You know, they're nice little bites. Uh, but I think it's really great. And I I think, you know, Jason Segel plays very much a Jason Segel character, you know, where he's kind of like a big doofus, but like, you know, he's smart anyways. Uh, he he kind of reminds me of his character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, it's kind of like that character.
1: So without seeing this, I I, I don't I don't know, and I, I assume it probably isn't fair to uh, make any kind of direct comparison, but I think it's really fascinating uh, how like, Apple TV previously had a show called The Shrink Next Door about a psychiatrist, a therapist, uh, who is uh, played by a, um, a younger-ish, fairly well-known actor, in this case, Paul, Paul Rudd, uh, and a patient- played by a somewhat older but also very well known actor not quite as old as Harrison Ford though Will Farrell uh with a a stellar supporting performance by uh Catherine Hahn and I'm I'm curious if you've uh, did, first of all did you watch The Shrink Next Door
0: I didn't oh, uh but okay. I I it was one of those ones where I wanted to but I think at the time that it came out I didn't have I didn't That's have right. Apple TV Plus, so yeah. I, I I missed the it's you know initial promotional run.
1: So what I would be really curious to to see is if you uh, if you end up watching Shrink Next Door, if you have uh, any thoughts on like how do they compare, like. Is it a, a case where it, like it feels like maybe someone got wind of another project similarly, and like and they're like we can do this too? Like happens in the movies all the time. Does it feel like totally coincidental? Is it completely different? And just like the theme of there being a you know a therapist and a patient uh, happens to be in, in common. Uh, I w- I'd be super curious to hear if there's any kind of obviously not like overlap, but any kind of like commonality to them.
0: Uh, yeah, I definitely want to, uh, I definitely will give that a shot, but I'm about to blow your mind. Oh, Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell are only a year and a half apart. in age.
1: <laughs> Actually, you know, I think I knew that. Uh, yeah. it's just fascinating because Paul Rudd doesn't age and Will Ferrell is aging appropriately.
0: Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's exactly. Yeah. Uh, what, what's happening in that scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so Shrinking uh on Apple TV Plus, have you been, have you been watching it? Let us know. I I want to know and if you've watched uh The Shrink Next Door, is there any uh similarity? I'm going to have to give it a watch now to see um, what what the difference is? I think you know the from what I briefly from what I know of the Shrink Next Door, I think you know the Shrink Next Door is more of the the patient is the main character, yeah, uh, kind of like the driving force. Whereas on Shrinking, it's the therapist who is the main character.
1: And Shrink Next Door is very much a drama with comedic elements. Uh, the at least the the trailers for Shrinking seems to maybe like flip
0: it the other way, where maybe it's a comedy with some dramatic elements. Uh, I think that was, it's, I mean, only three episodes in, um, so, uh, yes, it definitely feels more, like, more on the comedy side than it does on the drama side, but, I mean, there is some serious moments. (laughs) (laughs) I did it. Uh, yes, so, I, I, I think, yes, it leans more towards the comedy side, but I think, the drama moments are there. The the emotional hits are there. Interesting. Um, yeah, which is pretty interesting. So, you know, we talked about uh, uh, guerrilla style cooking shows. Yeah, uh, Lockwood and Co on Netflix and uh, shrinking on Apple TV Plus, hey, what are you watching? Let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do that, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube. Hey, hit subscribe, you know, do the thing. Uh, drop us a comment. What's something you're watching recently that we should be watching? Uh, we would love to know uh, what what's out there and what we should, you know, maybe that we've never heard of or something that we just have not talked about and should. Uh, if you're listening on your podcast player of choice, night shift mg over on uh, twitter and instagram drop us a line tell us what we should be watching and listening to we would love to know uh all of that stuff and of course wherever you are Make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review if possible or a YouTube comment, whatever it is, because as we learn in our upcoming episode where we talk about the movie I'm Your Man, which mm-hmm. is streaming on Hulu, uh, it's all about that algorithm, baby. It's true. That's true. That's what makes the world go round. It's what makes our world go round. You
1: have to teach it
0: to love us. That's exactly what it is. So there it is. Now you know the movie we're talking about as part of our unconventional love stories uh, in February. So I'm Your Man streaming on Hulu in America. Brand new episode this Sunday. And uh, yeah, so thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. We super appreciate it. We got brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday with I'm Your Man coming this Sunday. Uh, There it is. Thanks a lot for joining us and we will see you on Sunday. Okay, bye.